Thanks for joining us today to hear our latest Hope Central podcast. We trust this message will help you know more about Jesus and inspire you to be more like Him. Uh, we, I've been asked to share this morning on this. Are we giving our best to Jesus? And uh, when, when we get a question like this, we think, well, sometimes in order to answer this question, we have to think about a few other questions about the question, don't we? Like, like this one, what, what is my best? What is, what is my best? And, and full disclosure, I would be the best dad here out of everybody. I just want to say that. I'm the best dad. I don't know why everyone's laughing. That's serious. So I, just, I saw this picture, world's greatest dad. I was in, in the kitchen the other day. And the reason I say that I'm the best dad is because I have got my kids trained really well. And uh, every night when they come home, I say, listen, two things you have to do. Pack your lunch for school the next day and get in the shower. And we've got two kids, so they alternate. One hops in the shower, one packs their lunch. Anyway, I'll be honest, I don't normally watch what they pack for their lunch. And uh, so anyway, I'm watching Edward, and he comes out, and he's got this little glad bag with ham in it. And he comes out, and he's, he's, and he's starting to make his lunch. And I look at that ham, and it's shiny, you know, like oily sort of ham, the kind of ham that you're like, you don't want to eat that sort of ham. And I said to Edward, I said, Edward, don't eat that, mate. That'll kill you. And he looks at me, and he's like, what? And I said, don't, you can't eat ham like that, mate. It's so bad for you. That is, we've got to throw that out. I said, that'll kill you. And he goes, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to die. I had it for lunch today. <laughs> and I'm like, trying to, trying to backpedal. Like, oh, oh, well, you, you know, technically you won't die. And then he's like, I'm going to die. <laughs> and, and like, that's all he's thinking about. And I'm like, world's greatest dad moment right there. <laughs> this passion to go, hey, mate, like you can't eat that. Everything within me was like, I've got to protect my son from, from doing this. I don't want him to eat that. I'm going to have to clean up his vomit if he eats that. And also, I don't want him to vomit. Like, I don't want him to feel, feel ill. It was so funny, actually, Dan Schultz, uh, the Sunday after that, <laughs> Eddie was feeling a little ill in the service. And uh, Dan was looking after the senior kids. So Dan was uh, looking after that part of the class. And Eddie was like, oh, I just feel a bit ill. And these thoughts of I'm going to die from the ham came back to Eddie and Dan had to carry him out and Dan was carrying him by his shoulders like this and Eddie's just sort of going, walking like this out of the, out of the service. Anyway, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> and then I, I had to get up and do announcements straight off the back of that. But I, we, in our best sometimes, we're like, that's my best. I really don't want my son to get food poisoning. That was my best in the moment, but it wasn't the best for him, was it? And I went out the other night and I'm embarrassed to say this, I went and saw the Barbie movie. Um, not, not on my own. I, uh, I went with Amanda. Uh, she asked me to go, so full disclosure. But also, uh, Joe went and saw the Barbie movie too with Jodie recently, so I was allowed to say that this morning. And there's this scene in the Barbie movie. I'm not going to say if it's a good movie or not. I don't want to even go there with it. But there's a scene, this, this lady here at, at the end, the, the movie's like full of these ups and downs and, you know, what, what, is, what is it to be a, a woman? What is it to be a man? All this sort of stuff. And they get to this point and this lady here, she gives a speech and she says, I, I, I need to be healthy, but healthy is not being super skinny. And it's not like if I'm overweight and I look like that, but then I'm overweight and healthy. And, and, but if I'm a mum and, and I do this and then I'm reading in the paper, it will say this. And then on social media, it will say this. And, and, but I don't know how to be a mum if it means this. And then I've got to supply, like, 
provide for my family, but I'm, I'm the only one. And then everyone says, I've got to do this, but then I've got to be at home at the same time to look after my kids and I've got to be their counsellor and their friend, but I can't be their friend because I've got to be their mum. And she goes on and there's this just back and forth trying to find out how do I be the best I can be? And it's like, everyone's like, yeah, how do I be the best I can be. And it's funny, like this part of the movie, and then she starts saying it to everyone. Everyone wakes up out of there trying to be perfect and trying to be a part of something else and has this sort of awakening moment. It's like, this is really hard to be the best I can be. Does, does anyone here find it hard to be the best you can be? I know I do. And you look up online, eight ways to be great, eight ways to be better, eight ways to, to do this and that. And the world would tell us so many things. Here's just a few things. Well, here's eight to be exact. <laughs> Self-reflection. Take some time to reflect on your interests, passions and values. Identify strengths. Recognise your strengths and skills. Help your son make his own lunch. Set goals to find clear and achievable goals in your life. Seek growth from the community that you're in. Embrace failure. Don't be afraid of failure. Surround yourself with supportive people. Stay positive, my favourite, no matter what, stay positive. Balance and well-being. And that's the ticket, isn't it? Balance and well-being. But that's the hard one, I find. Some, I can stay positive sometimes you know, through it because I just maybe switch off from it or push those feelings down, you know, push that aside and stay positive. It's really hard to do your best all the time. And it's really hard to find out what your best is. And when we hear these sort of things, what is it that actually validates our best? What is the bar? What's the bar of best? Like, where is it that, okay, everybody here does this. I know you're doing your best. Everybody's doing their best right now. The point they're trying to make that I find in that, that Barbie movie but also that I find in these eight ways, what they're trying to say is that it's about, about a journey to find your best. And I love this. I love how Paul talks about having a journey and how, how he shares. And in Philippians 3, he shares from here. He says, Though I myself have reason for confidence in myself or in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And so he's talking about himself and what he's, what he's achieved in life. And it says here in verse 5, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake. I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith." Paul's talking about this is like, yeah, all those things, you know, I can, I can account for them and I have all these reasons to have confidence in myself and, and, and all this and I, I can be doing my best, but there's so much more for it. And it goes on in Philippians 3 verse 12 here. The title of this next passage says, Straining Towards the Goal. It says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal 
for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you. He does, doesn't he, when you, when you get it wrong. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. What lies behind, we, we sometimes our best can be, I've done this, I achieved that, therefore that's, that's my best. And we get stuck in it and we can go, that's, that's my best. And we continue to do that, but it's, it's not our best, is it? It's not our best. Our best is yet to come. Our best in Christ is, is a journey. It's yet to come. You know, Paul is so completely obedient to faith in Jesus. He is so obedient. He's, his whole life is about obedience to, to Christ. Once he had that, that experience with Jesus where he revealed himself to him, Paul was like, that's it. This is my life. I will be obedient to God. Your best is a journey of obedience in Christ. See, Paul's obedience to Jesus and not man because he knew the final destination. Do you know, our, our obedience though, this is the thing. Our obedience can kind of sway where, where we obey to. Amanda and I, uh, this, this was interesting. Amanda and I, we went um, to Queensland years ago um, because my cousin was getting married. And um, we hadn't seen him in a long time and it was kind of like we weren't really going to go to the wedding because it was going to be a big expense and a bit hard and then there was a bit of pressure on in the family to make it happen. So we're like, all right, we'll, we'll do it. And so it was a bit of a rushed trip. We, we flew in on the Friday night and then flew out. I think it was Saturday night after the wedding, I think it was. It was like kind of that short, short of a trip. And uh, anyway, so we, we booked in a car, a rental car. And when we landed in, in Brisbane, got off, go to the rental car company, get the car. And the guy, the person behind the counter says to me, all right, where, where are you headed? Oh, we're going up this place. I can't remember where we were going out of Brisbane. And they said, okay, now don't, don't trust the nav man. Don't put in this address. Put in this address on, on the nav man because you won't, it won't direct you properly where you need to go. And I was like, oh, yeah, no worries. Not listening at all because I'm like, I don't need a nav man. Come on. I don't need a nav man at all. I don't know if you know, but I'm a male who drives a car, so I don't need a nav man. Uh, I don't know how obvious that is. I can do this. Uh, ignorance always gets you, doesn't it, and arrogance. Yes. And so we, we leave and we're in a hurry. And so the, the thing is, we have to drop this car off at the uh, car rental place, not the airport. And so the stress was we need to type in to get there. And I typed in the nav man where we needed to go, just completely ignoring that, going, surely the nav man will know, or surely I'll work it out. Anyway, we are on this expressway like this, and it's telling me to turn right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't turn right. There's a 10 metre drop off the side here. I can't turn right. And Amanda and I were like, yeah, well, you should have listened to the nav man. I said, I know how to listen to the nav man. And it's like, you just get so mad. And you're like, everything's falling apart. And we found this exit. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to turn off this exit. And I'm, I felt like I was just going to run off. But I, I was going to turn off the exit and we'll just work out what we're going to do there. And we turned off the exit and I pulled up to a stop. And we looked and there's the car rental place where I needed to drop the car off. <laughs> so I said, see, I knew. I knew all along. I knew, I knew what was going on. I knew all along. But I didn't, I didn't put my, my faith in that person that could guide me to get back to where I needed to go. That person knew what was best for me and their car that they wanted returned at the end of the, the rental period. But I, I didn't put my faith in that person. I put it in, in myself and I was like, I'm obedient to my arrogance and ignorance. 
Hebrews 11, I, I went away on a missions trip years ago and I was so scared. I was so scared about what I was going to uh, experience when I was over there because everyone around me was talking about demon-possessed people. And, you know, when you don't know much about them and you see demon-possession uh, in movies, you just think, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, this could be anything, you know. And so I'm, I'm freaking out as a young person. And I remember someone said to me, why don't you read Hebrews 11? You know, faith is the substance of things unseen, those things that are hoped for. How, great, great passage. But as you read through it, it's incredible, the people that are in there, everything is by faith, Abraham did this, by faith, Moses did this, by faith, by faith, everything was there. And it, it really sparked me up to go, oh, all right, well, I'm just going to have to be faithful that God's looking after me because he's asking me to do this, so I'm going to do it. It says this in Hebrews 11, 8, obedience requires faith. And it says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Not knowing where you're going, just faithful in it. See, Abraham just wanted to please God. That's all he wanted to do. His whole relationship with God was, Lord, how do I, how do I please you? How do I please you? And we know this. This is a scripture that we hear a lot, but I love it off the back of that. In verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Abraham saw after God like in an incredible way. And he didn't do it for a war, but, but purely for the relationship with God. And as you read on in Hebrews, look at this. This is the thing that I, I didn't notice until recently. But it says this in verse 39 to 40. And these, the people, all the people that by faith, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. The part there where it says did not receive what was promised. It's almost as if these people in the Bible were just obedient regardless of the promise, that they were obedient purely for the relationship with Jesus. You know, genuine obedience is to do regardless of the promise. But this is, uh, this is hard. <laughs> How hard is it? It is so hard. And, and I feel God revealed this to me a while ago. He said, this is really hard when your best comes from your flesh. When your best comes out of your flesh, you feel like it needs to be reciprocated that what I'm giving, I, I need something back because you don't realise I'm giving something right now. It's like someone this morning talked about, we, praise is a sacrifice and we're giving that and we're thinking, well, what am I getting back sometimes? It's really hard. And it stops us, doesn't it? It stops us from praising. You say, Lord, if I'm going to raise my arms this morning when I'm wearing this shirt that's going to come untucked when I raise my arms, like that's a sacrifice, Lord. I need something back. But when I'm raising my hands and I'm like, God, I'm so grateful for who you are and that I have a relationship with you, it changes everything. There's a great story uh, about this, probably the, the best story uh, about this in Genesis when we're talking about Cain and Abel. And Genesis 4 says this, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell off. 
Cain was very angry about this, wasn't he? He's like, I don't get this. I don't get it, God. How come you like Abel's offering and you have, like, like you don't like mine? I don't get it. I don't get it. And we, we, we learn about this passage, you know, the things that are going on here and we're thinking, what, what's, why would God not, not have any regard for Cain's offering? And it's simply because Cain was not obedient in the offering. God asked for the offering to be like this and Cain thought, no, nah, this is my best, God. I'm going to give it to you like this. I know better. I'm going to give it to you like this. But think about it. How many times have you given your best and you found out that it's not your best? Like, how do you handle that? How would you handle having your best rejected? Just like Cain, how, how did he handle that? How do you handle it when someone says your cooking's not very good? <laughs> you agree? <laughs> I'll get Eddie to make you a sandwich to see if you, uh, see if you agree with that. How do you handle it when someone says, I, I don't like your style of, of playing when you're on stage? How do you like it when someone says to you, your preaching's a bit preachy, it's a bit boring, it's, um, it's, it's not entertaining? How do you handle it when people say those things to you? How do you handle rejection when you feel like you're giving your best? I had to sit on this one for a while. I, when God was asking me that, I was like, I handle it fantastically, Lord. <laughs> I'm like, reject me. See what happens. Let's see what happens. I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. I don't know if I, I handle it all that well. And it really came to me. A lot of what I think is my best is coming out of my flesh. It's, it's not coming through Christ in me. It's coming out of my flesh. And I get upset when it's, when it's rejected. Goes on to here. This is great. It says this. So Lord, it's great. Lord's talking to Cain, and he says, "Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, if you obey, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door." I love this. We, we, we think that if I don't do the right things, therefore I get punished. But this is such a great picture of what's going on. If I don't obey God, I'm opening up the door for sin to come into my life. It's not that I'm not doing well, therefore God's going to punish me. It's that sin is waiting there to get a bite into you. And what does it do to Cain? This, it's absolutely silly when you think about it. Cain murdered his brother because of an offence he had with God. How irrational. How does that, how did he put those dots together? How does he put those dots together? Sin is there to confuse you and to cause strife in your life and to stop you from giving your best. What in your life is stopping you from giving your best? There are so many things. Now, I, I don't want to pretend to be an economist today in, in this. Like, I, I really not. I am really not. And I, I don't understand a lot of these things. But the, uh, the, the Jewish economic system, part of it, some degree of it, I don't know if the, it's all over. I, I don't understand it to a degree. But there is a chapter in Deuteronomy that talks about this. So in Deuteronomy 15, it says this. At the end of every seven years, you must cancel debts. 
Now, depending on what side of the economic system you are in this, if you're someone who lends money and if you're someone who is looking for money, you could win or lose big on this, couldn't you? So, like, if I wanted to buy a house and I needed a loan, I would probably wait until the seventh year to apply for a loan. <laughs> Wouldn't you? Because you'd be like, this is great. I won't have to pay it off, maybe. I don't know. We'll see how we go. And if you're a lender, you'd be thinking, well, I'll probably wait till the first year before I start lending money. And, and the Lord knows when he was talking to the people about this system, he said, I, I know your heart is going to get hardened and you are going to find this to be something that will stop you from giving your best. So it goes on to say this in verse 7 to 9. If anyone is poor among you, your fellow Israelites in any of the towns of the land, the Lord your God is giving you. I feel like a lot of the sentences I'm reading today are just going on and on. Does it sound like that? No, okay, that's right, sorry. Do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards them. Rather, be open-handed and freely lend them whatever they need. Be careful not to harbour this wicked thought. Hmm, the seventh year, the year of cancelling debts is near. So that you do not show ill towards the needy among your fellow Israelites and give them nothing. They may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. Not giving your best, you will be found guilty with sin in your life. How many of us have a fear of losing out? That's where this would come from. As, as soon as it gets to the seventh year as a lender, they'll be like, if I lend to this person, I'm probably going to lose out here. I'm going to find it really hard to, to recover. And they start thinking things like, what if, what if, what, what if I do this? Have you had that in your life? What if I keep encouraging this person and, and investing into this person and then they never come to church? What if I, what if I keep helping out, like that person that, that needs help moving on Saturday and I, I give them a whole day? What if I don't get a day off to rest? What if I lose out? If I lose out, then maybe I, I don't want to do that and that's going to stop me from giving my best. The fear of losing out will totally stop you from being obedient to what God has for you in your life. It says this before all of that stuff. It says this in verse 4 to 5. However, there need be no poor people among you, for in the land the Lord your God is giving you to possess as your inheritance. He will richly bless you if only you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all these commands I'm giving you today. Imagine if when you're driving on the freeway, that everybody start, that was going slow was in the left-hand lane. Imagine a world like that. Everybody obeyed it. Imagine that. Imagine if everyone's like, you know what, stealing, we're going to obey that. No one's going to steal anymore. We're obeying that. I wouldn't need to have keys that I keep losing. How good would that be? I hate keys. I hate locking my car. I hate locking the house. I hate doing all of that. But imagine if everybody obeyed. And, and it's pointing it out here. Imagine if everybody obeyed God and gave to the needy, then there would be no need for poor people amongst us. Imagine that. And everything would be easier to give our best in, wouldn't it? Hmm. Um, I was just wondering, my intern there, would you be able to bring up my Bible for me? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, this is my uh, public transport Bible, just so people know that I'm carrying a Bible. 
I, uh, I read this. In this Bible, there are pictures of, of Jesus in this Bible. It's a fantastic Bible. But he's got blonde hair and blue eyes. I always like to look at that. It's funny. Some of the old paintings and stuff. Um, but it's still the Word of God. The Word of God. Um, but I thought it'd be funny just to bring this up and say, can everyone see how big my Bible is? And thank you. Yes. And it's quite clean. I'll just put that there. Just for illustration purposes. Excellent. It's a great uh, verse in, in Matthew, which will make sense of why I did that. In Matthew 6, it says this, Beware of practising your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And it goes on to say this, Thus, you always have to say thus like that, don't you? <laughs> thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. My best is validated by people and not Jesus. When I think like this, when I believe this, it stops me from giving my best. Who do you believe knows your best the most? The people that you're trying to impress or Jesus? You know, not, not everybody has evil intent for you, but no one knows the will for your life like God does. And when we're pressing in, seeking approval from others about, yes, that's my best, we end up losing track it's like in my arrogance with the, the nav man. It's like I'm, I'm still headed to the place I want to go, but I'm going to find it hard and stressful and eventually I'm just going to have to be obedient to what God has anyway. Seeking approval from people over God will cause you to not be able to give your best. When I was um, 19, 18 or 19, either way, I was, I was working, I was out of school. It was my mum's birthday. And um, I had to get her a present. Not, not had to, I wanted to get her a present. And my dad said to me, make sure you get her something nice this year. You know, it's not like you're not making money. You're making good money. Get her something nice. And I know you haven't been paying board for the last few weeks, so probably make it something worthwhile, okay? Like actually actually do something. And I said, oh, okay. I'm like, I don't know what to get my mum. My mum watches uh, Turner Classic Movies on Foxtel, which saw when we were kids, all the black and white movies and all the romantic Put you to sleep movies, you know, all those sort of things. They're not good, Bron. They're terrible movies. They're all old. But I was like, oh, okay, so maybe I'll get my mum a movie. And I was chatting with a mate and I said, oh, I've got to get my mum a movie. Uh, I think I'll get her a VHS, you know. This is how long ago it was. And uh, he said, do you know what's a great movie? And I said, what? And he said, Armageddon. <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, it's got that romance in it and Bruce Willis blowing up a rock, you know, like... As if my mum wouldn't like that. And I remember getting this, this VHS and I gave it to my mum. And I could feel my dad's eyes looking at me as I'm giving it to her. She's opening it and he's like, what? and my mum opened it and she's so beautiful. She's like, oh, thanks, Matt. Oh, you're such a... Matthew, she was calling me Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. And she talks like that. And she, she took it and she went off and dad was like, really? <laughs> That's what you got here, Armageddon? I, I don't see how your mum's going to like like that. And I was like... Dad, I, I did my best there. I went and picked that movie out. But it wasn't what my mum wanted, you know? And, and I feel like that sometimes when we, we give our best to God, we're not really thinking, what does God want in this? 
what is God wanting right now? I'm, I'm gifting him something. And I'm like, yeah, God will love this. He'll think this is awesome. And God's like, yeah, look, I appreciate you, mate, and I love you, but that's not what I'm asking of you. I, I want something more than that. I want more of a relationship with you. And so uh, my dad was pulling me up on that, and I, I found it a little hard to deal with it. But I needed to be taught. I needed to be taught how this works. And so I love this, what it says here in Hebrews. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And it goes on to say this. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. When you're disciplined and someone pulls you up on something, does peaceful fruit come out of you? Being unteachable stops you from giving your best. I love that, that peaceful fruit. I think this is a sign that if you're unteachable and you're not sure that you're unteachable, what's coming out when someone's trying to teach you something or correct you on something? What is, what is coming out? Is it peaceful fruit? Is it continued unity with that person? Or is it discord and sour fruit that's coming out of you? Being unteachable is totally going to stop you from giving your best. And you're never going to learn how to give better than before. You're never going to experience that. You know, all these things, they trap us from giving our best to Jesus. And freedom from all these things is, is the key. But it comes through an obedience in Christ. I love how Paul puts things. He's an amazing writer, how he, how he, how he puts things out. And in the way that, like, you'll read some of the stuff Paul writes and you'll be like, oh, that's fantastic. And then come back again and it's like, oh, I didn't see that before. And, I mean, that's the Word of God, isn't it? But I love how Paul, Paul does this. He shares here in Corinthians 9, he shares this. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everybody to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Paul is so incredibly obedient to God that it's not about him pleasing these people. It's about me causing these people to know Jesus. And so he says, I become all these things for all men. He goes on to say this, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might have some, might have, sorry, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Could I get the band to come up now, please? See, Paul's freedom was in his obedience. It was completely in his obedience and faith to God. And this was how he could give his best because he had Christ working through him. He knew where he needed to go. He was fighting through all of this. He was running the race so that he could bring people to know Jesus. I want to ask you this morning, are you giving Jesus your best? Do you feel like you're giving Jesus your best? And like we've talked from here, 
Are you free from these things? Are you free from the hurts of rejection of your best? Are you free from the approval of man? The fear of losing out? Are you free from being unteachable? All these thoughts are really important for us to have, but to process with God and to process with with Jesus, have a heart to heart with Him about that. Lord, am I unteachable? Am I still hurting from rejection of my best? Maybe it's coming from the wrong place. Because I just think of my mum and that, that VHS that I gave her. And she's lovely. She's so graceful. And that's God to us. He is so gracious with us. The whole story with Cain and Abel, he gives Cain an opportunity. I love how he says, where's your brother Abel to Cain? Like God doesn't know where Abel is. And yet he gives him a chance to, to own it with him. And he says, where is he? And gives Cain a chance to go, oh, hey, Lord, yeah, I did something wrong. That's what God's looking for in us. That's, that's our best, obedience to Him. He's looking for a relationship with us, but it requires faith, doesn't it? And so this morning, I, I would love for you to reflect on those things. Are these things that are stopping me from giving my best to Jesus? Because if they are, I need to do something about that. I need to seek Jesus in that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You so much. I'm so grateful for your love, your mercy and grace to us, Lord. And Lord, I just ask this morning that we would get to know you more, that we could learn how to be free from these things that stop us from giving our best. But we know, Lord, that that comes through a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I speak your blessings over everybody in this room this morning. But also, Lord, I ask that you would reveal yourself to them in a new way that we would come to know You more, Lord, through our obedience and faith in You, Lord. That people in this room would be blessed, Lord, but that they would be set free. They would be set free from the fear of losing out, the approval of man, the the spirit that's there that, that causes us to be unteachable. All those things, Lord. I speak Your freedom and liberty over everybody in this room today. In the Name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.